There are no words, no phrase I could create. There is no melody that I could make. How do you sing about a love so deep? Hey guys, welcome back to The Takeaway Show. I'm your host, Daniel Messersmith. Thank you guys so much for joining. If you're a new to this, a new listener to the show, welcome to The Takeaway Show. If you're a regular listener, thank you for supporting and listening. Guys, I have a new mic. My wife bought me a new mic and I'm testing it out. This is actually the first time I'm doing it for a true, uh, real episode. But I've tested it out this week and it sounds really good. And I bought myself a Bose speaker for my call-in interviews, and it sounds really good. So I'm really excited to use it. Um, Anyways, guys, this is the episode 16. Um, I know I was supposed to have an episode on Monday night, and I'm so sorry about that. But Linda wasn't available at the time. So we will get that episode out. Do not worry. But uh, right now, uh, we're going to be doing episode 16 which is breaking down the film Passion of the Christ. And I'm going to call up my friend Caleb Crocker here in a minute, and he's going to help me break down the film. And we're going to talk about everything that went on behind the scenes and how is it still relevant today? Because I think it's very important that films like The Passion, which are so heavy on faith and and the love of Jesus, are so relevant. And we need them more than ever to be honest. So thank you again for listening. And before I call Caleb, I just want to let everybody know, make sure you like the uh, podcast on Spotify and rate uh, what you think uh, of it. And I would love everybody's feedback on this episode in particular and the previous episodes too, if you had a chance to listen. But if you like these episodes, please write in uh, through Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, The Takeaway 2023. Or you can email the takeaway2023 at yahoo.com. But let's go ahead and get right into this interview with Caleb Crocker. Hello, hello. Hello, Caleb. Welcome back to the show. Hey, it's great to be back. I know. Man, you were you were on the show March 13th. And now it's April 6th. Time flies really, really fast. Has it really been that long? It really has been that long. Yeah, March 13th was uh, our interview. And then, <clears throat> yeah, and now here you are again in April. Wow, no kidding. Yeah, for for for, for real. Uh, thank you for coming back on to help me do this. You know, I was going to do this by myself, obviously, because uh, I've been playing it for the last couple of weeks. And I was like, it's so, it's really, like, hard to do an episode by yourself and not having other people contribute, you know, and, and share what they think about things and their take on it. So I was like, well, you know, you're into film, <clears throat> and you came on and shared your your backstory and everything. So I think you had been the perfect person to do this. And, you know, you also are a Christian, and you are very passionate about your faith also. So I thought, you know, the perfect person to do that would be you. Um you obviously had a chance to watch the film. Uh, what was your take watching the film? Just kind of first first th- feelings and thoughts. My overall take? Yeah. The film was a solid 6 out of 10. I prefer the book. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, it, 
it, it definitely, definitely the the Bible is definitely the best book and the best way to go. And you know, it's so hard to portray a story like that on film because when it comes to especially the Bible, you, I think that film is the closest to the most accurate story and depicts that event that happened. And I think when it comes to making the Bible into a film and adapting it on screen, that's a very difficult task, especially for Christians. So we take that seriously, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you can make a film like, you know, films like the hunger games, they're based off books like divergent hunger games, Lord of the Rings. And if you botch it, yeah, fandom's going to go maybe a little crazy, but when it comes to Christianity and, and faith, if you botch it, you're actually really honestly you're 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 making a, a joke out of God and, and the Christian faith, and that's just to me that's not okay. You know, like like the film Noah and what they did with that film. I was so upset with that. Uh, I couldn't believe they did what they did with that film. Like they wasn't even close <laughs> to what the, that what happened because Noah knowing that time it the 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 point of it was just. God was saying, you're going to need to take me seriously because I'm about to flood the earth. You know, change your heart, turn turn your ways, and, and, you know, listen to this person that I'm using, this vessel I'm using, which was Noah, who was spreading that that message. And they just totally just flipped it, you know, into something completely different that wasn't at all accurate. So, um... I agree. I think it it's this sense in making a film especially if it's based off a book or anything it's the sense that you need to make it more dramatic or need to make it more entertaining but what a lot of filmmakers don't understand about the bible is i don't think you can get much more dramatic than some of the actions taken in the bible very true i the agree with source that. material is all you need right um I wanted to read a scripture before we got into the meat of this uh, inner, uh, this episode. This comes out of Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. And for listeners, you might be going, what is that? What does that even mean? Well, when we depict, when we talk about and break down this episode, you'll realize that. Uh, so, Caleb... Um, did you have the chance to do any uh, research or anything uh, with the film? I have kind of an introduction, but I want you know want you to kind of uh, contribute too heavily. Uh, did you have anything that you want to say right off the bat about the film or anything interesting that you want to share with listeners? Yes. So I was waiting until I watched the film to start doing a deep dive into it to actually research it. But within the first five minutes, I had to pause it because I'm going to I'm going to sound pretty stupid when I say this. But I did not know that it was not in English. After ah. watching it first, I had to go and research and find out that they wrote the script entirely out of Latin and reconstructed Ara Aramaic. And uh, I think a little Hebrew. Yes. Yes, for, uh, for people with the, that haven't seen the film The Passion of the Christ, it is entirely in a different language. It's not in English, none of it. So when you watch it for the first time, you might be shocked. Don't go into your settings. 
Don't change your audio settings. It's not you. It's the film because I think Mel Gibson really wanted to depict that accurate, that time, what Jesus would have spoken, how he would have spoken, what language he would have used. Um, so, yeah. So, like you were saying, that that's that's kind of funny, but I, I'm glad uh, I'm glad it jocked your memory a little bit with that. <laughs> um. So, for those you don't know, um, The Passion of the Christ was released in February 25th, 2004. Can you believe that? 2004. Um, yeah. Directed by Mel Gibson, uh, starring Jim Caviezel and Monica Bellucci. It grossed over $621 million, and it earned $83 million in the opening weekend. and earned highest opening weekend and second to The Matrix Reloaded. It earned $370 million in the U.S. and remains the highest grossing R-rated film. That is, uh, that's very, uh, that's a very, um, just, that's a, an accomplishment right there. You know, as much backlash as it got, which we'll get into, um, for it to have accomplished that much and made that big of impact, um, you know, that's, that's amazing. I know, I know. It remains kind of the pinnacle of faith when, when people are when people talk about it, you know Christianity and faith and wanting to share that message of Christ and Christ's love. And I think the best way to reach people, every I you know, majority of people love films. Majority of people love to watch movies. They'll watch TV. So when we're kind of ministering to them, I think the best way to do it is say, watch this film. And it, it is the pinnacle, the base of that. It, it remains the kind of, you know, number one, you know, I guess I should say tool to reach people, you know, through that way of, of a film. Because it's so impactful and it's so heavy and, and it's so gritty. And, you know, every time I watch it, I can barely get through half of it. It's so just it demands so much of my emotion because my the faith is important to me and the love that jesus christ has for everybody he didn't it's not just for a christian it's just for everyone in general he loves everybody and when he died he died on the cross for everyone no matter who you what you believe if you're con, you know con, confused with your gender or who you are or what path you choose in life it doesn't matter he died for everybody and that's such a huge and bold message to share through Hollywood. And um, I think that that accomplishment, when it comes to when we look at the box office numbers, that is a massive accomplishment. What, what, would, what do you think about that? What's your take on that? I think it's impressive that a big budget movie like this was made in the first place. But I say things like that, and then lately we've been having a resurgence of Christian film and media with, like, The Chosen or uh, what's that new one, the Revolution one? Jesus Revolution, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, they're not to the same degree that this one was filmed uh, with how much time and detail was taken to create accurate depictions but uh it's still impressive that it was made 
Yeah, and one of those things was that Hollywood didn't even want to make this film. You know, they didn't even were like, uh, no. You know, when Mel Gibson brought it to the table. So he actually, I don't know if you knew this, he paid for it out of pocket, the $30 million budget. He paid for it out of his own pocket because nobody wanted it. And I want to let listeners know, um, I was actually watching a YouTube, Caleb, of Jim Caviezel talking about uh, the film at a church. And he actually came to my church um, at Covenant way back when. I still have the invitation card. I, I shared it on my Instagram stories. Guys, if you want to go on my Instagram stories, I shared the invitation when Jim, Jim Caviezel came to Covenant Church. It was an amazing sermon. I'll post the link to the YouTube, though, that I was watching. But he shares... Uh, the phone call he had with Mel Gibson, he told him straight up, he said, you know, if you make this movie, you possibly will never work in the industry again. And I think the boldness of being able to sacrifice a lifetime career in a in a position where people would run over people for a position in Hollywood, you know, to be famous and have our names on billboards and in the lights and all that. He sacrificed that career to make a film that has had a lasting impact on generations. I mean, we're, it came out in 2004. It's 2023. We're still talking about it. You know, we're still, you know, it, it, it's on my heart. Obviously, it's, you know, on my heart to even talk about it. So it's on other people's hearts. And, you know, pastors and leaders today still refer to that film when they want people to get a clear glimpse of how much Jesus loves us. So... I think it's it's amazing that, like yeah, like you said that it even got made, but for it to be have to have come out of a personal person's you know account, you know, and they invest in it, and they know they're the kind of the only soldiers that are willing to go into that field, that battlefield, when it comes to spirituality. Because as we know, Hollywood is not spiritual at all. It's actually the completely opposite. So. We don't see a lot of that today. So for them in that time, you know, and back in 2004, there wasn't a lot of Christian films coming out, you know, every day. This is a bold film. This is a heavy film. And the bravery and the boldness and the courage for them to even go forward with it and say, we're going to do this no matter what. I think for me that that's inspiring. You know, and I think it's starting to come out even more today with those different films, like you were saying. So, um, for those you don't know, well, it, makes you, it makes you think, you know, if, uh, if Mel Gibson put it all out on the line there, you know, funding it out of pocket and knowing that it could possibly be the end of his career, surely that must've been a huge motivator to just do his absolute best to make, to make it right. Right. And I think that should be the mindset of any future film director that's going to film or actor film a Christian movie about an event that's coming from the Bible. You know, if you're going to do it, try to do it at least, you know, perfect to the way it was and not change anything. Because you don't know who's watching the film. If you have a non-Christian watching it and they're really thinking about, you know, giving this you know faith thing a try and you do one thing to it that can change their whole perspective it can either turn them off or turn them on from it you know so it's important to think about the future 
and think about how this is going to look down the road. You know, so I would, uh, I was looking at the, um, a, a studio, uh, an article that was written by called higher studios. And the question was who should watch the passion of the Christ. And it says adults who are struggling with their faith should watch this film. Even though passion of the Christ is over a decade old, it continues to be the baseline reminder of worship while maintaining a high quality of social relevance and emotional impact on the first time slash returning audience member. Please note this film is not for children or the immature audience. However, if Passion of the Christ is used for educational purposes and the youth are present during the film's presentation, parental participation is a must. Um, and that's kind of what I want to get into through, the, uh, through that section of it, talking about how kind of graphic it was. That was one of the controversies about this film was the graphics. And, you know, there's people out there that say that that's not really what happened. And I don't think that Jesus would have such a hard time accepting this fate, that fate in that time, accepting that he was going to go to the cross if it was just going to be a slap on the wrist. You know, I think he knew what was coming. It was going to be very painful. It was going to be hard. It was going to be excruciating. And to people that say that, oh, it didn't happen like that. It was too graphic. But can make a film like, you know, it or horror movies that are made that use gallons and gallons of effects for blood. But then an event like this that's depicted on film somehow isn't real. I find that kind of hypocritical. What do you say about that? Uh, could you repeat the question one more time? Well, what do you what do you think or what do you say to people who say that the blood and, and the graphic violence in the film was just out of reach, you know, and, and couldn't be anything realistic? Um, I would say look to the Bible for your answer. The swords that pierce his side, the nails that pierce his hands and feet, the crown of thorns he wore. Um, I don't imagine that being on that cross was in any way pleasant. Exactly. And, and you know, in, in the Bible also says, I've read in scripture that he was whipped with a cat of nine tails. I've seen mm -hmm. what a cat of nine tails look like up close. I saw a, uh, I guess an exhibit of it at a museum, uh, a museum creation museum talk. And it's not pleasant looking. So I can't imagine it being pleasantly felt <laughs> on skin. Um, so it, it just blows my mind though, that people can be so, you know, biased about, well, that's too graphic, but they'll, they're the very same people that'll go into a film like John Wick, you know, or or something that has a lot of shooting and, and and gun violence, and that's okay, you know that that's that's okay. I'm not hating on those movies. I love John Wick. Don't get, I'm a huge John Wick fan. I love films like that. I watch Rambo, Terminator, all that stuff. But don't be too sided about it, you know. Don't attack it just because it's about Jesus and it's about Christianity and. It seems when it comes to that, or when there's any Christian film made, all of a sudden it's not real. That's blasphemous. 
stop shoving your religion down people's throats. So it's kind of, you know, I, I see a lot of two-sidedness to that mm. topic. Um, in an article about written by film, uh, they say the Passion of Christ depicts the brutality of Jesus' crucifixion. It's less biblical epic and more torture porn akin to Saw movies, according to Roger Herbert, a distinguished critic. It's the most violent film I've ever seen. Over-the-top reaction to the film's garish voyeurism from the audience became synonymous with its exhibition. With nearly two-plus hours of continuous bloody violence, there were many notorious instances of people driven to uncontrollable tears, fainting, and even suffering heart attacks. I, oh my. Yeah. I did not know that. I did not know people were suffering heart attacks from just watching it. You know, I feel like if you could sit through a film like The Passion of the Christ and not shed a tear or not feel anything, you must be cold-hearted. Because I couldn't even make it through 30... First 30 minutes of it. It's so hard. I remember I was watching it last night and when it got to that scene, I literally locked up. I couldn't move. I couldn't I couldn't do anything. I was just locked up. And I was just like, every time I watch it, it brings me back to the first time I got saved. And I have been saved a lot of times through my childhood. Every time there was an altar call, I was down there because I wanted to make sure I was going to heaven. Cause, <laughs> um, but I remember the first time I truly got saved was at 17 years old. And I finally kind of came to the end of myself. And every time I watch this film, I, it brings me to the end of myself because it's like, you think your heart, life is hard. You don't have to wake up one day knowing that you're going to get flogged and made fun of and nailed to a piece of wood all overnight and have people make fun of you, put a crown of thorns on you, and basically drain every ounce of blood out of your body to the point that you just die. That I mean, you know, that so it, it always brings me back to really appreciating my faith. And that I have it. Because faith is a gift. You know, faith is not everybody has it. Not everybody wants it. But those who do have it, the, the, the smart ones, hold it super tight. Don't let go of it. And, and they share it. So it's literally the definition of a gift. You know, and this film wraps all of that up. And just kind of, it, it kind of hands it back to me in a way of this is what he did for us. He did for you. He went to the cross for you personally. He thought of Caleb when he went to the cross. He thought of Daniel when he went to the cross. He thought of every single person listening at the sound of my voice. He thought of you specifically when he went to the cross because he loves you then, he loves you now, and he'll love you in many many years in the future and that's that's the point of it it's not to put on two hours of complete bloody violence no that's that's the the that part it pushes you to want to love jesus it pushes you to want to give your heart to jesus because of what he did for you and 
what he did for you is an eternal. It's a one and done thing. And obviously we know, if you know the story, he obviously rose on the third day. And that's why we have Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate Sunday morning at church. We celebrate his risen, his victory over death. And we celebrate that. We should celebrate that every day. But what he went through was so heartbreaking. And no man will ever, ever come close to experiencing what he did. And he felt. And he felt every single emotion in that time. Uh, he felt loneliness, rejection, betrayal. Jesus betrayed him. Peter denied him. You know, he, he felt heaviness. He, he felt every single emotion we feel on a, throughout our years of living that we may not even get close to. He felt all of that in that 12 hours. So this event and, and, and this film, I hope, you know, people who have experienced it or maybe you haven't, this film will push you to want to love Jesus more. And if you don't know who he is, it'll want you to get to know who Jesus is and give your heart to him because that's the point. And I, and I, and I, I'm, it upsets me that critics become critics when it comes to films like this. They do their job. And that's it upsets me because us as Christians, we understand the point of it. We know the true meaning of it, you know. It's just like Christmas. It's just like Easter. It's, we know the true meaning. We know what we're celebrating. And, and and a lot of the world doesn't know. You know, they see the surface of it. You know, we see an Easter bunny. We see a Christmas tree. We find gifts. We, we put on the tree. You know, but in reality, we celebrate something so much more. We celebrate a kingdom, you know, that's beyond. And this, this controversy really kind of puts me on edge on when it comes to that oh what do, what do you have to say about that i know i talk i'm talking a lot but what do you have to say about that i i don't know if i can even put words uh to a thought right now it's just there's a lot to unpack every time you speak of the bible and jesus and what he did for uh for sinners and so, you know, just trying to find the words is, it'd be almost impossible. I believe, like, there's so many sermons out there, but I don't think enough sermons in the world could really add up to, you know, really who he is. And I, I always think about this, too, is what if we're barely getting it right? You know, I've asked myself that. What if me going to church and hearing what I'm hearing and reading the Bible, what if I'm barely getting it right? What if I get to heaven and I'm just like, oh, yeah, we were so far off, you know? And I don't know. I just, it, it just kind of, it. When we and that's why making Christian film, it, Christian films don't bother me. I want people to understand that Christian films don't bother me. What bothers me is what's your intention with making them. You know what mm. what what what's your intention with putting it out there? And I'm not bashing any. I I know I follow some really great filmmakers who are Christians, and, and I've watched very good film, films that are are Christian based. And I know I don't know their heart personally because I don't know that person personally. But I've always asked, what is your intention with it? Because your intention will speak volumes more than the movie. You know, 
and, and when you put your heart and soul into something with the intention of getting it out there for everybody to hear, it's important that your intentions are good and they're, they're filled with love and not to let's make number one movie at the box office. Let's rack up a, a whole million dollars, you know, and break our record. And the last movie we did and top that. That's the secular world. That's the secular Hollywood speaking. Let's top the next, the last one we did. Let's make it bigger. Let's make it better. Make it bolder. And we'll put whatever we have to do to speak to the modern audience to do that. You know, I think that when it comes to these films, we have to be careful, you know, with what we're putting in them. You know, what we're speaking to the modern, you know, the modern day moviegoer. Um, I, I know that me, I, I am not going to lie. I've watched some stuff that I probably shouldn't have watched. Um, and we all have been there. And I'm much more careful of what I, you know, put in front of me. You know, there's some films that I'm like, nope, absolutely not. And there's some films like I'm okay with. And I think you have to put yourself in a position of if Jesus was sitting on your couch next to you, would he watch that with you? You know? Um, but, uh... To read our Bibles daily and try to understand, you know, the inspired word of God and try to do our absolute best to discern the things that we put in front of our eyes uh you know pick and be careful guard our hearts which is harder than it sounds because very often there are things of this world that are very tempting mm. like you know that movie that you really want to watch but it is completely unwholesome and unscriptural right there are things like that all around. You know, I've been, I, I uh, with the modern day audience, with reaching young people, I just want to say this to any parent that's listening. HBO Max is the worst thing in the world. Do not put, do not allow your child, your young adult, your teen, have access to HBO Max. It is the worst thing in the world. There is nothing good on there that will speak positively to your your child and if you want them to be raised in a home where there's positivity and love and no talk or, or seeing things I, I can't believe the generation what they're watching today it's absolutely un it, it wasn't even heard of in my day <laughs> um when i was a teenager i barely watched tv as a teenager but the stuff that's being made today it, it for young people, you know, now we have all these, just know I come at you, I, I'm coming at this with love, guys. I, I love each and every one of my listeners. But now we have all of these things with gender confusion and who we are. I think watching something that completely derails your your identity and who you are in Christ, let not, not even Christ, but who you are right now, what you, the film and the shows that are being made today completely derail that. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, 
I'm so sorry. I'm having a hard time hearing you over my connection. I could you repeat it one more time? I I was ta- saying that the um the films and the shows that are being made today when it it's kind of directing towards younger people's identity, it's kind of messing them up and it's confusing them. You know. Especially- oh yeah, just just like what I said earlier, the stuff that you put in front of you does affect you even if you think it doesn't it absolutely does for sure you know so and and so parents i i urge you and young people i urge you if you're watching shows that maybe throw you off or giving you ideas in your head that really aren't supposed to be there i encourage you stop watching whatever it is or stop listening to whatever it is you're listening to because it's only going to make you confused even more and send you down a path that's not good. And but I want to um I want to get into something before things we get too far ahead and we go too long. Some things that happen on the uh the set of the Passion of the Christ. I found this really interesting and I know some things says that like I said Jim Caviezel came to my church. Um well obviously the first thing what that everybody hears about when they think of Passion of the Christ and that is the getting struck by lightning. Um, Jim, uh, Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus, claimed he was lit up like a Christmas tree while filming the Sermon on the Mount. I knew it was going to hit me about four seconds before it happened, he told the 700 Club. I thought I'm going to get hit, and when it happened, I saw the extra grab. I saw the extras grab the ground. After the strike, fire was coming out of his head and body was illuminated. And though the cameras hadn't yet finished panning over to his position, by the time the cameras got to me, he recalled, I hear Mel screaming out, what the heck happened to his hair? And I looked like I went to see Don King's hairstylist. <laughs> um, all the makeup that went into, you know, him when, when during the flogging scene also... Um, one of the people flogging didn't have the best aim, and uh, his lash just extended over the board and hit him with such a velocity that he couldn't breathe. He got hit by one of those in, in reality. Oh, my. I, I, I could imagine. He said the sting is so horrific that you can't get air. It knocked the wind out of him. Mm. I. My goodness. I, I can't imagine getting hit with that. I know. He Could you imagine? He's an actor, obviously, going to play this part. And the things that he put himself through to, you know, try to portray Jesus, the Son of God, which it has to be a daunting role. Mm, yeah. And then on top of it, you actually get hit with one of the. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Um, if as if enough didn't happen, he dislocated his shoulder while carrying the the massive crucifix. Um, the co- the wooden construction weighed over 150 pounds. It feels like 600 pounds as the day goes on. Um, his po- shoulder popping out of place was just the start of his misery. Later, they stick you up on a cross in 25-degree temperatures with 30-knot winds. Filming almost naked in such frigid conditions nearly gave the actor hypothermia and succeeded in giving him a lung infection and pneumonia. 
He suffered severe migraines from working day in and day out with one eye cosmetically swollen shut. He woke up. Yeah, his alarm went off at 2 a.m. in order to provide enough time for the film's makeup artist to cover him in cosmetic bruises, cuts, lashes, gashes, copious amounts of fake blood. They also had to arrange his crown of thorns and seal one eye shut, which wreaked havoc on his depth perception. You are going to work every day with only one eye functioning, which gives you headaches. Mm. And how late in the process of filming did all this start? Um, I want to. St- I imagine. I imagine it had to be after he started being tortured, because uh, in the beginning of the film, I don't recall. A swollen eye. No, that, yeah. No, you're, that happened when he was taken out of Garden of Gethsemane. Mm. Um, during the filming, Caviezel had endured enough accidental lashings, a dislocated shoulder, pneumonia, lung infection, persistent migraines, and getting struck by lightning. But the bad luck didn't end there. Once filming wrapped, and the movie made millions worldwide, the actor's career all but died. Um, Caviezel claims he's been black blackballed by Hollywood for blaming Jesus. He recalled Gibson trying to talk him out of it, if only moments after offering him controversial role. He said, "You'll never work in this town again." And he's this was his response. This is an amazing response to that. He said, "I told him we all have to embrace our crosses. We have to give up our names." our reputations, our lives to speak the truth. That's that's a I don't think I could say it better than that. You know, to walk away from a whole career like that. He's done some pretty great films. You know, one of my favorite films Jim Caviezel's in is uh, Deja Vu with Denzel Washington. Have you had a chance to see that one? No, I, I haven't. Watch that film. He he does play a bad guy, but he does such a good job. And also the the Count in Monte Cristo. So he's had such a great career. He's played some good movies with some A listers, you know. And you know, just to to walk away from all that because your faith is so much more important. It inspires me, honestly. You know, it, it inspires me too. And, and with what little that I've been gifted, you know, with this podcast and also my faith, not even about that. If I didn't have this and I just had my faith, you know, I would, I would not hesitate to walk away from my job. If it came from my job or my faith, I'd be like, no, I'm going to choose my faith, you know, because it's Mm -hmm. jobs and money and all that will always be there. But, you know, you were gifted. You were given an opportunity to walk a line, walk a road in a journey that very few would even want to take the responsibility to do. And to me, that's so much more important than the next promotion, the next paycheck, the next, you know. And I know so many times I hear that said over and over by people. But when you really go through a storm, and you really go through something that's so nightmarish and so tragic and shakes you. When it starts to shake your faith, you know that it's real. But when you don't shake your faith, 
That's the most important thing. The situation might shake you up. The, the situation might knock you off your feet for a little bit. But when you get back up and you still choose to believe, you still choose to choose Jesus every day. You know, I encourage my listeners, choose Jesus. Choose Jesus every day. Not just in the good days, not when it's all going great. But choose, choose Jesus in the bad days. And I can tell you about some really bad days I've had. And I won't go into it. But still choose Jesus because he's your saving grace. He's your answer for everything. And this film that we're talking about is just a piece of that. It's a major event. It's a life-changing event. It's why we say yes to the altar calls. You know, it's why people every week at Sunday, every day, when the, the, the good news is shared is why they sh- say yes this film is why and what jesus did on the cross is why so it must be really important it must be very you know vital to us um caleb is there anything you you uh, would like to share um any last minute thoughts um yes actually i love discussing about how controversial this was um but this Beside, I apologize, the word's not coming to mind, but, oh, despite, despite the controversy, this, uh, this movie was still nominated, not one, but three Oscars for Best Makeup, Best Cinematography, and Best Original Score. You know, sadly, it did not win any of these Oscars, but even, you know, even the career-ending Christianity of it all couldn't stop it from being recognized, being noticed. Well, you know, Jesus can't be stopped. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna... I think that's awesome. And I wish there was more of that today, you know? These films, like the Oscars, you know, I just got... what we, You know, the Oscars just happened, and I, I didn't watch the Oscars because I know what it, it pushes, and I do not... I don't support it. But I got to see the list of films that won over you know, the next day. And some of them were actually good. You know, some were good. You know, I've seen a couple that were one, but some of them are just like, is that really what we're going for now? You know, is that really the status? Like that's the bar. That's the, the, the you know, so to me, the bar really hasn't been raised when it comes to films today. You know, um, I went and saw the Left Behind movie, the new Left Behind movie by Kevin Sorbo. Uh, Kevin Sorbo is a great man. I admire a great Christian director and actor. I admire. I love his films. And that film was really good. It really did a good job of showing what today is like and what's going to be after the rapture and what we need to prepare for and how important we need to take this really seriously. You know, this isn't something to mess around with. You know, Jesus is not going to not be taken seriously. Faith, Christianity, faith is not not going to be taken seriously because we're going to have to answer to it. We're going to have to answer to him at the end. And I think, like, when it comes to, like, all of this Hollywood and, and, and films and even day-to-day social media and the news, the bar is not being raised high at all. You know, the inspiration is just dead. And we're pushing all the opposite morals and and. and values into our younger generation that it's like you're not raising a generation of leaders you're raising a generation of you know sheep 
You know, they'll go anywhere. They'll listen to anything. They'll follow anybody. Raise a generation of leaders. Raise a generation that's going to take up the mantle and go, you know what? Enough is enough. And this, you know, Jesus is important to me. Faith is important to me. And you can follow me or you cannot follow me, but I'm going to walk this road and, and, you know, fork their own path. And I don't think that secular, you know, factors, there aren't helping that at all. Hmm. So I, you know, I agree. It is important that parents look to raise children, you know, good, honest, God-fearing children. That is truly what we could always use. Right. And I hope that I do the same for my kids in the future. You know, we were raised like that. We were raised in, you know, Christian homes. It was church every Sunday. And, you know, we were dedicated every day before school started. We read our Bible. That was our first 30 minutes of our day was reading our Bible. And looking back, I'm not going to lie. I didn't take it as seriously as I should have. Because when you're a kid, you're like, you know, I'm just back here reading my Bible. Half the time I'd fall asleep, you know, so... But today I look at it and I'm like, wow, I'm so glad that that was enforced. I'm so glad that I was not given a choice in that matter. You know, there were a lot of other things I had choices in, like what textbooks, what what subjects I wanted to learn more of. But I was not given a choice when it came to Bible time and, and dedicating the first part of my day to my faith. And I'm so glad I wasn't given a choice because it's carried me throughout. And, you know, here I am today still, do, you know, talking about it and still living it. And I'm not perfect. And I want people to understand that we're not perfect. Christians aren't perfect. We make bad decisions. We say the wrong things at the wrong time. But we have a grace that covers. And you you have that ability to have access to that grace. And all you have to do is say yes. And... I wanted to read an article last before we kind of close everything, uh, Caleb. I came across an article about people's lives who have been changed by watching this film. I think it's really important that we acknowledge that. We acknowledge the outcome and repercussion. We talked about a lot of the controversial aspects, but I think it's we need to acknowledge what positivity came out of it. Um, in Maryland, a 13-year-old Michael McCoy said the movie about the last 12 hours of Jesus' life has caused him to reconsider his daily behavior. There are Sundays I wake up in the morning when I feel like I do not have the time to pray to read the Word of God, McCoy said. While I have read the gospel accounts of the Passion, seeing it portrayed on the big screen, seeing the length that Jesus would willing to go to die for me, makes me impossible. makes it impossible for me to wake up in the morning and feel like I don't have time to read the Word and pray. In Dallas, Texas, 27-year-old Lauren Reagan found the film to be emotional and difficult to watch. She said knowing that any time during the excruciating beating, Jesus had the power to say it was enough and quit was a powerful testimony that will have an impact on her outlook for the future. It wasn't just being nailed to the cross. It was all of it, the beating, she said. I just can't imagine him doing that. As a believer, I get a little, pre a little persecution from somebody and want to quit. Uh, Scott Barkley of Canton, Georgia, took note of the audience's reaction as he watched the film. The resurrection scene seemed to usher in a holy moment of sorts for the crowd, he recounted. Some cheered, some class, clapped, 
Most sat stunned in silence. This silence could have been the shock of having seen what they had read about since the early days of VBS. He said as the closing credits rolled, a shout of two of thank you Jesus came from the crowd as others discussed what they had just seen and still others gave invitations to accept Jesus. It was obvious that this film had a profound effect on the crowd, Barkley said. One person com commented they had never been punched in the face and gut by a movie until then. I just want to say to everybody that's listened to this episode, and you might take in a lot of different things, and you might have he you've heard a lot of different information from both Caleb and I. But I think one thing Caleb and I can really agree on it and just say is that if given the chance, watch the film. But also, if given the opportunity right now where you're at, where you're sitting, open the Bible. Look it up. There's an app. Search it on your website, on your on your computer, and, and start digging into what we're talking about. Because we can talk about it all day. But when you get into it personally and you open that word up, that's what's so important. And your journey and your experience. So I encourage you. I hope this podcast encourages you to give Jesus a chance. Give him a chance to enter into your life. Give him a chance to take you by the hand and let him lead you through life instead of just letting life lead you. <coughs> and um, I'm so happy I had the opportunity to do this. I'm so happy that I have this, this podcast to share the love of Christ with everybody because it's gotten through, it's gotten me through some really dark times. And I'm sure it's gotten through you, Caleb, through some really tough times in your life. But we're still here talking about it because it's so important. And we don't want to keep it to ourselves because we don't want to be selfish. We want to share it with you that the love of Christ has for you is something beyond measure. Something that is beyond this galaxy and this universe. It's so massive that he was willing to die for you. And he's waiting for you to say yes. Um. Caleb, do you have any closing thoughts or any final thoughts? Um, just earlier, when you gave your, your story about being saved, would you mind if I gave mine? Go ahead. Yes. Go. All right. Well, I would very much like to say that uh, the moment I knew I was saved was when Jesus died on that cross. You know, none of it's possible without Jesus. True. That's it. That's my whole story. Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's as simple as that. You know, what I mean, that's as simple as that. It's not. It's not hard. It's not. And, and you know, when I remember when I finally, when I really gave my life to Christ and I really took it seriously, I really did feel something change physically inside of me. I don't know what it was, and I'm not exaggerating at all. I'm not trying to put on dramatics or anything. I was sitting at my aunt's house at 17 years old. I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I was put in a really difficult decision and a difficult situation. And I remember sitting at my aunt's table and she took me by the hands. She read me the scripture and she said, you know, you wanting to give your life to Christ or, and I was like, yeah. And I was so broken. I think that's the, the that's the main part is where you come into a place of surrender and, and you come broken. You don't come into it with, yeah, sure, kind of, maybe. You come in broken, you're surrendering, you're like, I have no other option 
I don't know what else to do. Life has got me so down. I've been through so much. That's when, you know, he does his best work. And so uh, for last minute thoughts, if you have seen the film, what are your thoughts? I would love to hear. Would you recommend it to others, especially those who are non-Christians? And have your, would you let your teenager watch this? That's a big controversy. I wasn't allowed to watch this film until I was maybe 15 or 16. Caleb, when was the first time you watched the film? What, what age? Um, Approximately one week before this phone call. Are you serious? I am being completely honest. That is why I was surprised when it wasn't in English. I uh, I have obviously heard of it, and I I knew of what it meant and that there was some controversy of it. Of course, I was only four years old when the movie came out. Uh, and so it was, it was refreshing to get to see it. So I thank you for asking me on your podcast and pushing me to see it. It's always good to hear your voice, Daniel. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for joining us, Caleb. I hope you uh, come back and we'll do another something like this. This was fun to do. Um, but until, uh, till then, thank you so much for joining. Of course. All right. Good talking with you. Absolutely. Thank you, Caleb. All right. Bye. Bye. So, guys, that was Caleb Crocker and I's take on the film The Passion of Christ. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this wasn't too uh, pushing towards an agenda. The only agenda I have for my listeners is that, A, you know you're loved, which every week I hope you know you're loved, and B, you are loved by Christ too. Not just me, not just the people around you. You're loved by Christ. He loves you. And this film really pushes that message. This was a little supersized episode, but hey, I know you guys like to listen. Thank you again. Be sure to rate and like the episode. Watch the film. I'll post the link for the YouTube uh, video with Jim Caviezel and the uh, the link for the Amazon where you can purchase the film uh, on Amazon.com. But until then, you guys have a wonderful Easter weekend. Be safe. I love you. And I will catch you next time on the next episode of The Takeaway. But until then... Please enjoy Group One Crew and his kind of love because his kind of love is absolutely amazing and wonderful. I'll catch you guys next time. Love you. Tell me what kind of God would choose to save